Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. On today's podcast, we have Brett Sadler, head of global, yes, I said global, partnerships for MGM Resorts International in Las Vegas, Nevada. Brett has spent most of her career in partnership marketing, including the NHL, agency life at Octagon, and also the UFC. Hearing from Brett is like getting the answer key to a test. She reveals so many insights for you, including what your boss wants from you and what your corporate partners want when they work with your team. This is a good one. Grab a pen and be prepared to put this insight into action. Here we go. Thanks for joining me for episode five of the Leadership is Female podcast. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Brett Sadler. I am so excited to have Brett on today. Brett began her sports and entertainment career working for the Florida Panthers Hockey Club on a few teams, including ticketing, promotions, and marketing partnerships. She then joined Octagon in the Atlanta office, where she led Home Depot's partnerships with ESPN, College Game Day, select teams, leagues, and properties, such as the USOC, Falcons, Braves, Hawks, AEG, NASCAR, as well as oversaw hospitality programming, store events, and the Home Depot Foundation golf program. Product integration into movies and video games was also a highlight of her time with Home Depot. After her six-year stint in Atlanta, Brett joined UFC, in 2011 and led global marketing partnership activation. A few of the strategic partners on the UFC roster included AB, Harley Davidson, Dodge, Air Asia, Modelo, Monster Energy, Body Armor, and Metro PCS. Brett joined MGM Resorts International as global head of corporate partnerships in October 2019. Her team manages partnership sales and activation for the MGM Enterprise, the WNBA Las Vegas Aces, as well as beverage partnerships. Their partnership roster includes Coke, PepsiCo, Anheuser-Busch, Miller Coors, Avis, Panama Jack, American Express, MasterCard, just to name a few. VIP and group ticketing for all live events, 9,000 plus across 37 venues fall under her purview. Brett is a graduate of University of Miami and holds a Bachelor of Science in PR, Psychology, and minor in Sports Management. She is also the founder and president of WISE, Women in Sports and Events, Las Vegas chapter. Welcome to the pod, Brett Sadler. Thank you so much. I am honored to uh, to be your guest. Thank you so much again for inviting me. Of course, we are so excited to have you today. I know that I just read your bio to everybody, but I would love to hear from you in your words, who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Great, thank you so much. Um, I do have to, I'll back up to my time at University of Miami. So I was a student athlete there. And while I was rowing, um, I actually also worked in the athletic um, marketing department. 
and really got a firsthand look at University of Miami sports marketing, which is bigger than some college or bigger than some um, pro programs. So um, very interesting to see that from the ground up and um, was a perfect entree into what I was going to face <laughs> the next 20 years. So um, I really have a special place in my heart for University of Miami sports. Um, and then I, I worked for um, the Florida Panthers as a season ticket holder, commission only sales rep. And for those of you who don't know, Wayne Heisinga uh, owned the Dolphins, he bought the Marlins, and then he bought the Florida Panthers. So we were continually considered the redheaded stepchild. We were the last people, you know, on radar. The Miami Heat was there. They had a great following and very interesting to, you know, be against all these headwinds. We were selling hockey in South Florida. We were, you know, fourth in line, actually fifth in line, if you consider University of Miami in that, this big sports space. So it was very interesting to um, be on the ground floor of a, of a hockey team in a Sunbelt market. But it also allowed us to be super creative and innovative. Even back in the 90s, um, there wasn't a lot of social media, if any. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of technology at our hands, especially like there is now. But um, it really drove us to be creative and, and set new, new stages for fan interaction and engagement. And not knowing what our product would be on the ice, it really pushed us to make sure we did the best we could with fans and partners and season ticket holders and just the entire um, experience at a game and any of our events. So it really um, gave us an opportunity to, to rewrite some of the traditional sports that were in that market. So I was actually there for 13 years. Um, we were the second tenant um, in, my, in Miami arena. So behind the Miami heat, um, I was the grunt at the time. So I was the one hanging dasher boards and putting up signs and painting the ice and working closely with arena ops. So the um, agreement was that obviously because we're the secondary tenant, we didn't get any of the revenue from any of the, the stationary signage. All we did was got access to what our, you know, surface of play was. So it created a lot of challenges and we had to rise up to the occasion to, to create other events and other things outside of those four walls. So that was exciting. We eventually built a new building in West Fort Lauderdale, if you will, in Broward County. Um, we named it, we renamed it twice times after that. Um, so that was another big undertaking. But again, allowed me to be on the ground floor with building a new building, naming it. Um, we held the all-star game, we held the draft. We went to the Stanley Cup finals. We got swept by the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. So we had two lockouts, um, and during that time, the SBJ awarded the Stanley Cup of Business. So we actually drove revenue without hockey by creating some other, I guess, entertainment options for the fan base. So it gave me this great arsenal of like milestones of things that I got to, to really experience. Um, after 13 years, I realized that I probably need to broaden my horizon and, and do some other challenging things. So I looked at the agency life. Um, at the time, agencies were new to me because a lot of times we were dealing with clients directly. And all of a sudden, agencies became part of this, uh, of this machine where a lot of the companies would 
contract agencies to help them not only just with their advertising and their traditional media, but now with their activation and elevating their partnerships. So Octagon was on a few calls with clients and I was like, who are these people? <laughs> what do they do? They're experts. You know, I was pretty impressed with, with their, with their input and their recommendations. And so I looked into that. There was a great opportunity in Atlanta to work on the Home Depot account, which I thought was another useful space for me to be with a Fortune 500 company like Home Depot, who was very ingrained in sports, especially NASCAR, obviously College Game Day built by the Home Depot, which is a staple um, in their, you know, uh, sports world. But um, so I joined them and I was there for six years. Great opportunity. It was the same time that, you know, research and insights were really, really the new buzzwords and everybody um, was required, brands and companies were required to show why they were making sports buys and why they were investing in a team, not because they wanted four front row tickets, not because they wanted to go on the team plane, not because they wanted VIP trips and things like that, but they really had to show a business reason for making these investments. And so it really pushed my, my space to understand research and insights and Scarborough and Simmons and tons of research that I didn't even know existed because during the Florida Panthers time, we were on autopilot. We were burning churn every day because the off season was basically your selling season, even though we were selling all the time. So there wasn't a lot of time when you're working on a team, as you know, to sit and strategize and feel, feel out like who's the best partner, why are they the best partner and really work, whether it was a pipeline or the actual activation and how everything would come to life. So um, what I did miss um, on the agency side was somebody to cheer for. Like I didn't have a set schedule like I did at the Panthers when it was every Monday, Wednesday, Friday or New Year's Day games or Thanksgiving night. Like I kind of missed that like game face and that passion that I used to have for like getting to the arena 10 hours early <laughs> with my change of clothes. So I um, looked to join a, a property or a team again and uh, UFC was hiring and, and the person looking for my position was someone who worked at the Miami Dolphins when I was at the Panthers. So we were very familiar with each other's names and, and um, our work. And so it kind of just worked out that way. So I picked up my family and <laughs> moved to Vegas 10 years ago. Um, and it's been great. Uh, U UFC was um, just completely on the rise at that time. It was a really cool opportunity. The, um, the Fertitas and Dana were investing a lot of money in the front office to restart and, and relaunch this amazing brand that they had invested in and that was really taking off. We had just done, I got there in August and in uh, November we launched the Fox you know, rights holder deal, which really put us on the map. Um, so I had a great time with them. I learned a lot about pay-per-view models and um, rights holders and global marketing, um, understanding brands and products from all around the country that I hadn't been exposed to um, with the Florida Panthers or with, with Home Depot because they only had stores in, in North America. So it, it really, um, allowed me to, to broaden my horizons and grow into this global space. And then in um, October, I got a job at MGM as global head of, um, of corporate partnerships. 
And that is even a bigger job than it was before, than I had before at UFC, because not only do I have some sports that I'm responsible for, but I also have basically the enterprise. So we have naming rights and plazas and integration into our into our uh, casinos and our customer database, which is huge. Um, and we have all these touch points and again, global. So it allows me to touch all these different areas of the world. So, um, so like you said, I've, I'm aces. I am basically non-sports stuff. I'm entertainment. I kind of run the whole gamut. And then we have um, premium and group ticketing also falls under me for outbound sales. So really getting groups to come in and maybe buy out, you know, Mirage Theater for, for a concert or event. So it, it's definitely exciting because it can leverage so many of the departments that we have in this kind of big battleship, if you will. So incredible. I mean, what an incredible <laughs> career, an incredible run. You are just a fountain of knowledge and specifically on the partnership marketing side. I mean, from starting with the Panthers with a naming rights deal, a draft, and an all-star game, like that's the trifecta of a sports property. And right. you got that early on, then moving to agency life and um, understanding that, that major brand activation mm -hmm. partnerships, research and insights. UFC, when it was on, like it's crazy rock. <laughs> Mm -hmm. top and now now with MGM. So um, mm -hmm. global partnerships is such an incredible title and responsibility. And so I would love it if you could share with everybody, what, what does that mean? What does that look like for you, you know, sure. day to day, week to week, quarter to quarter? Um, how, how are you responsible for, for what and at what levels? And how do you do it all with, with all of the things <laughs> underneath you and your team? Sure. Um, I do have to say that a lot of um, what I do is, so everything I do is revenue driving into MGM. My counterparts, on the other hand, are really good at spending MGM's money and putting that, that great logo with a lion on all of these teams, properties, and leagues. But then there's the pressure for me to make what they're spending. So, you know, while I cheer them on every day and share all these amazing things that we're doing for the MGM brand, my job is solely driving revenue into MGM, leveraging like-minded brands, like top-of-the-line brands that want to speak to our customer. So it's really important to align with that. And I say that because every one of our properties has a different like look, feel, and and desire to be where you know New York, New York is different than Bellagio. Aria is different than Mandalay Bay. So really trying to align the right brands with the right properties. So I'm kind of like a kid in a candy store because at a sports team, you're very much structured to the amount of signs that you have, the amount of TV spots that you have. Everything is super structured and templated with the exception of content and social media, which again is just ever growing. Right. But at MGM, I can really customize something for any brand. So we could do a product launch for a weekend we can have brands come in during a CES time or a SEMA timeframe and do something really cool at one of our properties, whether it's host a party or an experiential opportunity. So it really gives us the opportunity to, to be super, super customized. So my capabilities deck is 500 pages long because they're endless, right? So it's really important for 
my team to understand the objectives of, of the company that we're talking to so we can then customize something that works for them. And also, yeah, and also make sure that we're not overloading our customer when they walk into, you know, one of our properties and making sure it fits. So um, then we also have the beverage partners that, that we pour everything because we have to have everything available for our customers. So it's really navigating, you know, what does Coke want? What does Pepsi want? How do we differentiate them? Um, but how do we also offer something similar? Um, and when I say we, we offer both Coke and Pepsi, the properties are split. So you can get Pepsi at, at New York, New York, but you'll get Coke at Bellagio. So um, it, it's really trying to organize this entire matrix of everything we have going on. Um, and unfortunately, most of my time there so far has been with COVID. So October to, to, to now, I mean, after March, we've been working from home and unfortunately had a lot of furloughed staff. So we're doing the best that we can and looking at the big, big nuggets. Uh, people are spending money. People are investing and in looking to 21. So we're really pushing a lot um, of effort around these, these larger scale deals. That's great. Thank you for sharing all of that. How are you, how are you selling the future and the future in partnerships when mm -hmm. in our current pandemic state, the future is a little bit unknown? Can you share a little mm -hmm. sales tip with, uh, with the audience? I mean, I don't have too much that's not secret because everybody yeah. is is being managed by, you know, governors here and there and whatever, like we can't do any events that have more than 50 people. Our pools are, you know, at limited capacity, our hotels are at limited occupancy. So we're really just looking forward to next year, thinking that we're going to be, you know, back as soon as possible. Um, but our customer database and our, our customers are still engaging with us. People are still driving out. We launched a great opportunity to um, it's called Viva Los Office. So it's basically if you work from remote, you may as well work from one of our hotels um, and we set you up with you know executive assistants and we have a conference room table in your room and, and things like that to make it easy just so you have a change of pace. And also we're we're all wired, right? I mean all of our hotels have Wi-Fi and connectivity. So it's important that you know we can provide and pivot for something that's going on right now. So we can still come to Vegas and you know, while you might not be going to shows and, and nightclubs, you can still enjoy the pool and, you know, you can gamble and you can go to restaurants. So we're, we're trying to do that, but we are looking to 21 and hopefully as things come back to full force, uh, we'll be ready. And I, right now we're taking advantage of this time to really implement some of our bigger deals. So there's signage changes, there's some yeah. resetting of programs and processes. So, well, it's, quote unquote slow, it's, it's not with the small staff that we have, um, but we're really trying to take advantage of this time to like reset a lot of things and processes. So. Hey, just a quick break to remind you to head on over to emilyjansen.com to download your free copy of the top 10 myths about being a female leader in sports. This guide will debunk the top myths and lead you to the top. This guide will show you what's possible to achieve in life while having an incredible career in sports. Head on over to Emily Jansen, that's J-A-E-N-S-O-N.com and grab your copy. It's free. Now let's get back to this great interview. 
So if we can take a little look back um, on your career, can you identify a specific tipping point um, in your career that helped you move forward or propelled you forward? Sure. I think, like I, like I mentioned, moving from the Panthers to Octagon. So when I was at Octagon or when I was at the Panthers, that's all I knew. And I had gone from, you know, a season ticket holder sales rep all, all the way to a senior director of partnership activation. And at that time, I was told that there wasn't going to be a vice president opportunity. That This was kind of the end of this road for this position, um, unless I wanted to do something else. And at the same time, I was hearing all of these great um, recommendations and point of views from these agency calls that we were having. And I just felt like that was another added uh, tool that, you know, like, hey, I need to look into this because they come across like the experts. <laughs> and so I really felt like that was an opportunity for me to, to take the next step, round up my resume. Um, and then ironically, after I did that, um, and I was at Octagon when the UFC was interviewing, they were like, look, we're looking for three things. We're looking with for someone with team or league experience. We're looking for somebody who's worked at an agency and we're looking at somebody that's worked for a Fortune 500 company. I'm like, oh, well, I have all three of those. So I'm the best person. <laughs> so I guess I got the job. Um, so, and it was, you know, my boss was Mike Mossholder, who I knew from, from my time in, in Florida. So it, it just kind of worked out that way. Um, and then I think the other turning point was really like getting a better understanding of global marketing and how a sport or a brand changes based on the culture of where they are, right? So some of these really, really, you know, global brands have different messaging and, and different ways that they market to their consumers and the different ways they activate with sports teams based on their region, I thought was really just kind of enlightening. That is awesome. Now you've had so much success in your career. Is there a big hurdle that you had to overcome and uh, what was it and how did you do it? Um, so I think there's, there's two things. I think you're gonna meet and I've met a lot of people that either don't understand your business um, and resist it to a point. So it's trying to explain to someone who might not get it why partnerships is important and why you're valuable. Um, and you're, you're going to meet those people, male, female, anyone. Um, it's a little more frustrating when it is someone who's female because you're like, you got to get this. Like, you have to hear what I'm saying. <laughs> so I think there are definitely people that you come across in your career that you know almost immediately that, that this person gets it or gets me or gets the idea that we are moving this all forward together. And there's people that just never will. And the people that never will, you just have to you know, kill them with kindness and be as nice as possible, but also know that there are boundaries. They're not going to be helpful. They're not going to always lift you up. They're not going to always have your back. Just make sure they're in a compartment where you know that they're safe and sound, but lean on the people that you know that you can really depend on. And those are your go-tos. And so I have lots of go-tos um, still to this day from day one. And then I have some people in that compartment that are there. They served a purpose. They taught me what I didn't want to, to do or be treated like. 
and they serve their purpose too. And that's completely fine. You're not going to see eye to eye with everyone. And I think that's, that's really important because a lot of times those people in that compartment get to you personally, professionally, and you just have to be bigger than that. You just have to walk away and be like, you know what? I'm not the only one that thinks that way of that person. So it's not me because you'll know right away or eventually who those people are and, and they have a purpose and they do really good at their jobs and they can do that, but they're not going to bring me down with that. So um, I think that's, that's probably the biggest lesson. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for sharing that. It's so important. And I, we had a guest on the podcast um, recently, Belisha Montgomery, who's head of diversity and inclusion for minor league baseball. Mm -hmm. And she mm -hmm. said one of her go-to quotes was that you don't have to believe what people say about you or say that you are capable of that mm -hmm. can define those things in those terms, because it might just be that person's opinion. And, mm -hmm. and if you, if you would have let that stop you along the way, I mean, you would have yeah. never achieved the greatness that, that you have. Right. So, um, so I just, I love hearing that. And it's so empowering mm -hmm. uh, for, for all of us. So you've done so much in, in partnership marketing. Mm -hmm. I find your biggest win. Um, I'm going to kind of group them together. I mean, I have some amazing examples. I was always a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of just like packaging and marketing in general. And if I saw something in a, in a color or a can or a shape or whatever, I would always just buy it just to buy it. So I loved working on programs with 7-Eleven and with, we did some stuff with Doritos, like where we had our brand actually on cans and, and products, Wheaties boxes that you could literally go into your grocery store and buy. So those were like the really cool things I liked. You know, they may not have driven the best revenue, but they really showed integration with, with two big brands. Um, and it created a lot of chatter and a lot of talk. Um, so those are the really cool things I, I like. On, on a bigger scale, on a category, I just feel like partnership marketing always challenged me because it always required me to learn someone else's business. So I, I know how to sell a can of Coke and a can of beer and a motorcycle. Like I had to learn what, how my assets would in turn sell their product. And so it wasn't just marketing the UFC. It wasn't just marketing the Panthers. It wasn't just doing something for Home Depot. It was literally like, how do I trigger what I can control to make their product move off the shelves? And so that's what always keeps it fresh for me to always know, you know, what can I do at MGM for a brand that I can pull these levers to actually drive their business. So that's what keeps that exciting for me. Um, marketing a brand or your brand is, is cool and fun. You can do that. But like when you leverage a third party in there and you can really like take it to the next level. Yeah. That I can tell how much that curiosity and creativity just flows through your veins. So what, what are clients looking for these days in partnership marketing? I mean, I think they're looking for innovation for sure. I think especially now with the current climate, you have to be able to touch your customers and make an impact um, remote sometimes, virtual um, and safely. 
you know, you have to feel like we had dinner with a client last night and he was blown away with, with our, our seven point safety plan that MGM has. Now I'm not saying the other hotel properties and, and companies don't have that because they all do, but we went above and beyond. Like we we're hiring brand ambassadors, safety staff ambassadors to remind people, literally we're just standing in the hallways reminding people to put their masks on and stay six feet apart. Like we we're a leader in Vegas and in the world and we have to do better. We have to raise the bar. So as people come back to Vegas, you know, do they feel safer at our property than someone else's? Maybe. Do they feel like we're taking every step possible that we can? Yes, we absolutely are. So I think, I think safety right now is key. And then obviously innovation um, and coming up with just new ways to reach customers. So you've had to hire lots of people in your career. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us, what do you look for in someone that you're, you want to add to your team? Um, I actually look for a lot of my own qualities in a teammate because I feel like if we're cut from the same cloth, they can, they'll actually read my mind at some point. Like we'll get into a groove where they're going to be a step ahead of me. Um, it also grooms them. So when I move on, they can, they have opportunity, right? Um, then there's also people that I look for that compliment me. There are things that I'm not an expert in. Um, and whether it's reporting or numbers or math or, you know, there's only, only so much Excel can do for you. But like if there's somebody that's really good with reporting um, and some of the areas where I might not be so, um, so good, I want those people on my team so they can compliment me and make all of us look good. It also gives them ownership. So if I'm like, oh, this person's going to be in charge of our weekly reporting, then that's great. It gives them ownership, something that they can do and they're responsible for and they get to you know, in an executive meeting report on X, Y, and Z. So it gives them ability to get in front of our executives and, and really show what their value is to the team. Um, I really look for someone and it's probably old school, but somebody who's going to come in early and stay late. Like, I don't care if it's at home or in the office. Like I want people to be responsive. I want people to be as engaged as I am. You know, I'm, I, you know, really try to respond, you know, within a day, if not sooner. I look at my email before I go to bed in case there's something I missed that was urgent. If my boss emailed me something at six and I go to bed at eight or nine or 10 or whatever, like I want, when he wakes up, I want my email in his inbox um, responding to whatever he was asking for. So um, that's what I hope that my people do for me. Um, and I was always taught very early on, which is kind of weird now because we're not in the office, but like, always check with your boss before you leave. Like if your boss is there at 6.30 and they're working on something, you can see that, you know, they're either on a deadline or whatever, and you're out the door at five, then, I mean, check in with your boss. Like, hey, can I help you with anything? Usually the answer is no, um, because they're probably doing some type of project, but like the chance that they're gonna say, yeah, you actually can, then now all of a sudden you're elevated into this opportunity that you may not have gotten if you didn't ask. That's awesome. So. Do you have any tips? This is a crazy time <laughs> in our um, industry and mm -hmm. people who are out of work right now, a lot of talent, very, very talented mm -hmm. people right now. Um, do you have any tips for them when they have the opportunity to interview so they can land, land their next gig? Um, I think 
anytime you're interviewing or looking at a company to do as much research as possible. Um, I think knowing what you can bring to that company is, is really important. So you may not come with a 30, 60, 90 day plan, you know, right off the bat, but knowing enough about the company to know where your strengths would fit in perfectly and maybe complement what maybe I don't have or what that company doesn't have, or just the versatility of, of being a multitasker um, and being able to jump in wherever you can, because a lot of people, as, as people are restaffing, they're not going to be able to just restaff a salesperson or an activation person or, you know, whatever. So you should be able to be like, oh, I could do sales, I could do activation. What do you need? So I think people are going to have to look for opportunities to be these utility players in a lot of different ways. That is such a great tip. <laughs> we have flexed the other duties as a sign, like nobody's business. <laughs> the last six I bet. I was yep. filling orders in the team store, online orders in the team store yesterday. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you just got to do your part. And there's no yeah. job too big, no job too small. And right. um, I think that flexibility and eagerness um, to learn and to contribute is, is paramount. Yeah, I agree. So um, I want to finish this up. I could talk to you mm -hmm. today because partnership marketing is my <laughs> favorite. Um, <laughs> But I'm going to ask you for your favorite quote. Um, what can our listeners, you know, take as, as, as a go-to for motivation today? Um, I'm going to say be true to your brand. Your brand, you, your name, your work, that's all you have. So it doesn't matter the title after it or the company after it, but people will remember doing business with you. As a, as a person and that will continue on forever and ever. So, um, and I was telling this to somebody else the other day, if, if your gut is telling you something's not right, it's not. <laughs> so then just figure out what your next stop is and, and cite your, you know, put your sights on that because the longer you stay with something that doesn't feel good, the more you're not true to yourself and you'll beat yourself up saying, why am I sitting here? Why am I, leaving work feeling that way you shouldn't you should feel the exact opposite um and so um and i'm not saying things that are done wrong but they might not be in line with what your vision is or the way that you would do business and if you're not the boss right you can't really <laughs> dictate that so um you have to believe and feel comfortable where you are and if you're not then quickly look to get out because otherwise your brain will be tarnished if you're are surrounded um, with people that aren't like-minded. Awesome. Solid goal <laughs> from Brett Sadler today. I'm Thank you. Resorts International Global Head of Corporate Partnerships. What an honor to have you on the Leadership is Female podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's safe to say that this is a diamond episode. Thank you so much to Brett for sharing your time and your insight with us. So let's get into the top four. Number one, when you head in for an interview, do all the research on the company that you can and be prepared to articulate where your personal strengths will fit in. Number two, create two metaphorical boxes, one for people who support you and one for people who don't. When you feel the naysayers creep in, just put them in the quote, don't support me box. Number three, don't be afraid to make a change. For Brett, 
changes can be made for two main reasons. First, sometimes you have to move on to move up, meaning getting the experience you need to grow sometimes does not come from your current employer. So keep your eyes open and your mind open to expansion and change. And second, if you no longer align with your company, meaning that you can no longer be, quote, true to your brand, it's time to go. Don't ever sacrifice what you stand for, for your job. And number four, some things don't change. Come in early and stay late. Check with your boss before you leave work. These behaviors will help you to stand out and show your organization you are willing to go the extra mile. Hey you, did you join my email list? I want to stay in touch with you so that you'll have the heads up on new podcast episodes and get the tips you are looking for to empower you to level up. It's easy to sign up. Head on over to emilyjansen.com. I'm so excited you are here and I can't wait to help lead you forward in the career of your dreams. Again, that's emilyjanson.com. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us.